We are live for a new episode of the Electric Podcast. I am Fred Lambert, your host. And as usual, I'm joined by Seth Wintraub. How are you doing today, Seth? I'm good. All right. We have a bunch of news to discuss about the EV space this week. But we're going to start out with Tesla with the Cyber Roundup slash shareholder meeting that happened just yesterday. And we're going to go through all the news with that. And then we have a few other news items to discuss in the broader EV space. And also we're going to discuss the BMW i4 review that Seth just posted today after spending uh, what you were, you had a week with the car? Yep, full week. Yeah. All right. And uh, also I want to thank, uh, thank everyone that uh, posted uh, five-star reviews of the podcast last week. Uh, we, there were a few of you that did it, and I really appreciate it a lot. It helps the show a lot more than you think. So if you can go into your podcast app and leave us a five-star review, we read them all, and we appreciate them, and it helps the show a lot more than you think. Uh, also, it's free to do. So, Also, if you do enjoy this, so you can put it in, if you're watching live on YouTube, Facebook, or whatever. LinkedIn, too. We're on LinkedIn. Michael is, uh, is listening to us live on LinkedIn. Hello, Michael. Uh, you can uh, give us a like or a share. That helps the show a lot, too. All right, let's jump in. So the shareholder meeting from Tesla that uh, kind of now is called the um, Cyber Roundup, I guess, or, or maybe it's more like the formal version of the meeting first, and then the presentation that follows is not called the Cyber Roundup. That's how Tesla sort of marketed it. But yeah, uh, the actual proposals that were up for vote during the meetings went pretty much as planned. Tesla hasn't, hasn't posted the full result just yet, so we don't have all the details. But uh, it sounds like, let me see here in my notes, uh, that uh, proposal uh, two, three, only the proposal two, three, and six were voted against the board. So that was uh, shortening the terms from three to two years for the directors and uh, removing the super majority uh, requirement while also shut down by investors. And six, six, there was an approval of... uh, uh, the uh, actual shareholder proposal that actually passed, I don't remember which one it was. It was all about the governance uh, issues. Like, uh, I think it was for a re- a review of the abrutation abru- um, requirements at Tesla when there's an employee conflict. But uh, yeah, and of course, the, the, big, the big items were, the big items, the, the big item really was the stock split. Uh, so the shareholders had to vote on whether or not they were going to, they, they wouldn't allow Tesla to increase the amount of share outstanding so that they could uh, do a one a three for one st- uh, stock split. And uh, that was approved, unsurprisingly, by investors. So we don't know yet when it's going to happen. Again, Tesla hasn't released all the full results from the meeting. So we, once they release that, we're going to have a better idea of the timeline. Uh, the... Other big items here. Oh, <laughs> that was a strange comment. Maybe you're not in the right spot, Michael. If uh, maybe you stay or stay on, and then uh, we're gonna we're gonna convince maybe, you, Michael. You convince you otherwise by the end of the show. So then the big the big thing was the uh, presentation from Elon and all the Q and A's that followed. Uh, a lot of it was Tesla just patting themselves on the back for a great year, and that's fair because Tesla has had a great year, uh, especially in the context of the auto industry, yeah. uh, which had mostly a setback uh, still from, from the pandemic and then inflation supply chain issue that followed. Tesla has navigated those quite well. Uh, so Tesla uh, proudly announced that it produced a 3 million uh, vehicle. C- congrats. Uh, congrats on that. Uh, Model Y tracking to be the world's best-selling car. Uh, by revenue this year, 
And then by volume next year, which is not too surprising because once Gigafactory Texas and Berlin are in full swing, these these two factories are going to exclusively produce Model Y for a while, and they're going to produce it in high volumes. And then when you had that, what Tesla is doing in Shanghai, and also Fremont are producing a lot of Model Ys, the, uh, it's going to be hard to beat in terms of uh, uh, just pure volume. Then there was a few other more surprising stuff, like uh, the Optimus, uh, I mean, you might have a robot. So Elon uh, posted this uh, image that appears to be the teaser of the actual prototype that's going to be unveiled next month. And again, Elon reiterated that people don't understand how big of an impact it's going to have. It's going to be bigger than the auto industry, uh, sorry, than Tesla's automotive business. And it's going to reshape the way the economy works. And I, again, with that, I, I don't understand why he keeps saying that. Like people don't understand it. I think anyone would understand that a humanoid robot powered by a sophisticated AI that's able to uh, do a lot of tasks that would replace uh, manual labor, people doing manual labor, like that would have a giant impact. What people are skeptical about that is just a delivery on it. It's as simple yeah. as that. And I don't. I mean. I know that he's very confident in his AI team and his uh, humanoid robotic teams and all that, and that, that's all fair and everything. But like, you have to give people room for doubt here. This is a giant task. And I mean, if someone's going to do it, uh, I think Tesla could be the, the company to do it, but maybe not on this uh, insane timeline that Elon has. I mean, he's still saying production in 2023 for that thing. Um, Tesla Optimus, they're calling it. But it's cool to see an actual picture of what appears to be a working prototype, or at least hands of a working prototype, instead of just someone in a suit dancing on stage. Is it me, or does this, like, do the base of the palms look like door hinges? Oh, they do, yeah, you're right. It does look, well, I mean, it probably is some kind of hinge, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, but it looks a very, <laughs> it looks like very, uh, I don't know, went to Home Depot. Yeah, but to, to be fair, the, the like the hands are probably one of the toughest uh, robotic components to for to, sure to achieve, and uh, these don't look too bad. Like the fact that they're even able to create like an arch shape, but as long as uh, you know they have uh, strength requirements that they posted, that I have them here. Um, no, I just have the actuators here, but they did post some like uh, re- requirements on time or what they can lift and everything, and it was like mm-hmm. decent, like maybe fifty pounds or so. Other people. Can- can just uh, work around with 50 pounds. Uh, uh, so yeah, uh, th- this could be a great deal, but I mean, let's let's give them a shot. Let's wait until September 30th, uh, what they show uh, at, at that event. Like uh, if they they could they could surprise many because yeah, if you look into the comments of that post, 260 comments, and and a lot of it is just like we believe this nonsense. Like Tesla's not we're gonna do that and everything is like. Uh, Look, Tesla has surprised a lot of people before. Elon has surprised a lot of people with SpaceX doing everything. It's not impossible. And Tesla, like, I mean, you, you see what Boston Dynamics has been doing. It's very impressive stuff. Of course, it's not a humanoid robot. They, they do have one, like, a humanoid, like, bipedal, like, walking robot, but not, I don't think they have anything with the hands dexterity that uh, are human level, like they are saying here in this uh, presentation. But, um, Tesla does have, like one of the big things is like getting these robots to be powered by electricity and and have a functional uh, battery life. And uh, Tesla does have a lot of experience with that with their their vehicles. So there is uh, kind of an expertise here, that, and they do also have some kind of uh, actuator expertise for for the vehicles too that uh, can be applied to the robots. So that's uh, I mean I see Tesla having. Uh, some some technical skills that are going to apply very well to the Optimus robot. Um, However, is it going to be 
as useful as Elon saying on, on any kind of realistic timeline. I have my doubts too, but I wouldn't count him out like a lot of people are doing right now. All right. The other big one was the uh, new factory. And Elon said again that Tesla is going to announce or likely announce by the end of the year a new location for the te- for a Tesla factory. And he again teased Canada to be a location for it. So we've been reporting in the last uh, year or so that uh, there's been a lot of rumors around the next factory from Tesla being Canada. Uh, this time was uh, Elon said after announcing, are we going to announce it later this year on location? He asked the crowd, where are we going to build it? And of course, the crowd started yelling a bunch of different locations. And then Elon said, we got a lot of Canada. I'm half Canadian. Maybe I should. Uh, of course, it's it's not that big of a teaser, but the fact that he just decided to pick out like there was a bond, I, I couldn't hear a thing that they were saying. It was the announced so many things, and the fact that Canada is the one that caught his attention is interesting. In the context that we reported in June from the recordings of the company wide meeting that we obtained, that uh, when employees ask Elon when is where is going to be the next Tesla factory in the U.S., Elon corrected the employee saying that actually we're also looking in Canada and Mexico. Uh, so it's broader to North America and not necessarily the U.S. So the fact that now he says that, specify that might not be in um, the U.S., but Canada or Mexico. And also we reported um, last year, late last year, that uh, Tesla has been in talks with the Quebec government that has a multi-billion dollar investment program uh, to put battery production uh, in Quebec. So, of course, Quebec and Canada as a whole, too, has a lot of... Uh, natural resources that are used for batteries, especially nickel, lithium, and even some cobalt and graphite, a lot of graphite in Canada and especially Quebec. So something to keep an eye on because here's the thing, Tesla is going to, I'm even surprised that there hasn't been a new factory location announcement for, for a while now, uh, literally since uh, I guess Texas was the most recent one that was announced. Uh, Berlin was before Texas, yeah. Because, again, uh, even Robin Denholm, Tesla's uh, chairwoman at the meeting, reiterated again, Tesla is aiming and tracking for 20 million, a production rate of 20 million vehicles annually by uh, 2030. That's that's eight years from now, less than eight years from now. And to go from there, they're probably going to exit this year, like the, by 2 million and like as a whole these four factories maybe have around 4 million once they're completely ramped up. So there's still a 6 million that's completely unannounced on, on no groundbreaking or anything like that. So there's, there's the, and Elon again said that they believe probably they're going to need about 12 gigafactories to, um, uh, to get to that 20 million. So that's, uh, that's eight gigafactories that needs to be announced, built and ramp up in the, within the next eight years. Yep. So if you're following, it's more than one per year because while you have eight years to do it, it takes at least, at the very least, well, two years, probably at least, probably three years to be fairly ramped up so that they all need to be announced within the next five years. Uh, that's uh, that's quite a schedule here for a new factory on Tesla. So let's keep an eye out for that. Of course, we believe that uh, don't expect them all to be in North America. There should be at least one or two more in Europe, one or two more in um, Asia, uh, so this, the, the, but there's definitely going to be a lot of things moving on that front. And then there was a little uh, Cybertruck update, nothing too big, but uh, <laughs> some uh, someone uh, asked uh, Elon 
if uh, I mean that was kind of an optimistic ask here. They ask if uh, Tesla is going to increase the Cybertruck prices and if they're going to honor honor the price that Tesla originally announced for in 2019 for the people that placed the reservation at that time. And Elon kind of laughed that off and saying that the pricing that was on 2009 was um, before all the inflation and that they couldn't predict. And also, he somehow brought up that the reservation was just $99. Actually, first of all, it was $100. <laughs> but uh, I don't know how, like, because it was just $100, like, you you don't lock your price in. Anyway, we were, no one was expecting those prices to last. Uh, so Elon confirmed that there's going to be an update in pricing and an update in specs. But he, he says that it's going to be a, a damn fine machine and a hell of a product. But, uh, yeah, that's... Um, Still coming in mid twenty twenty three, though. I he did say he did say it twice during the meeting. He said production started mid twenty twenty three, and then he he later he corrected himself and said that volume production is going to start in twenty mid twenty twenty three. So that was uh, that's those are two different things: starting production and achieving volume production. Wildly different. Uh, so depending on how you see it, like Tesla could be aiming to start production a lot sooner than that, especially with the Cybertruck where there's going to be a lot of um, manufacturing technology improvement that need to be achieved in order to deliver that truck with the, you know, Tesla is going to, is apparently get, getting delivery of the new world largest uh, casting machine. And uh, Elon did say also that the, they are planning on starting to install production equipment in the coming months at Gigafactory, Texas. So, uh, but of course, it start, starting to installing them and commissioning them and starting to assemble trucks, those are all extremely different goals. So, but yeah, I mean, 40, the, the, the price originally lease were $40,000 for the base version. Uh, technically, uh, Ford is delivering trucks, uh, the F 150 Lightning, at $40,000. Of course, the a very bare minimum version of the truck. As soon as you add a few things, it goes up pretty quickly. I think I, I wouldn't be surprised that if uh, Ford's uh, F one fifty Lightning average sell price right now is probably what seventy thousand. I would say. Does that make sense to you? Uh, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. So uh, I would be surprised if this Cybertruck starts for less than $60,000. They're probably going to try to make it at least have a few version under $80,000 for the new uh, federal tax credit uh, to be applicable. And there's a limit of $80,000 for trucks and, uh, and, and SUVs and, and vans. So it would, make, it, would, it would make sense to try to have that. And I, I think also it's like a double in price for the original price of $40,000. But uh, yeah, expect a higher price. Okay, uh, yeah, we had a little exclusive this week on the solar roof. I mean, we had a bunch of exclusives on the solar roof over the last uh, month. But uh, solar roof version 3.5 is coming. Unfortunately, uh, we don't know exactly what's new with it. We knew we know that Tesla has been focusing on the ease of installation and also the durability of the solar tiles. So uh, it might be uh, related to that. But we do know that Tesla has started a bunch of installation and employee homes. So they are testing, uh, testing it uh, there. First, and they did the same thing with the previous version of the product. And uh, we reported recently that Tesla has stopped scheduling new installation of Solar Roof with its own team, its own teams uh, during the last quarter. And uh, sources familiar with the matter told us that that they're not planning to restart the installation until Q4. So that would make sense that Tesla is now testing that uh, version 2.5 and they're going to restart production with uh, restart installation with that. 
Um, some people are still installing the product, like third-party roofing companies and solar companies that are partnered with Tesla. Uh, and it sounds like Tesla still has some supply of the version 3.0 and sending that to those people. So what do you think uh, 3.5 is going to have? I think the the big thing is going to be like customization and uh, ease of installation. Because right now, Tesla just cannot install this at any kind of rate that makes sense. Like they are really much focusing on their solar rooftop retrofits with uh, the solar panels, just because like if they have one crew that install solar roofs instead of solar panels, well, they, they Tesla is missing out on like literally megawatts of installation every quarter just because of how much more difficult the solar roof is to install in solar panels. So Tesla has to find a way to make that easier. Uh, I've seen I've seen a few suggestions, like in this image that you see right here, like having like entire rows like that. I think right now Tesla is limited, maybe like four or five tiles in a row at the same time that they deploy. If they can deploy like entire rows and just clip it in, uh, that could probably have a, a significant impact. But also it's just a problem with those solar roofs is that every roof is different and, like you have a skylight or you have like a chimney or you have like whatever you have and you have to work around that. And Tesla doesn't necessarily have all the fittings that match the solar roof with um, any type of, uh, I don't know, like any type of special, well, it's not that special, obviously, a skylight or, so, or a chimney, but any type of thing that it's not just a flat roof. Yeah, I wonder if it's going to look less like a roof and more like just solar panels to make it easier to install. I hope I hope it doesn't. Like I hope they keep the aesthetics of it. Um, yeah, I mean the aesthetics are one thing, but also like the the great thing about the product is like it's a product that you can install for as a brand new roof instead of like uh, putting solar panels on top of a brand new roof. Or if you need a new roof soon, well, I'll just install that instead. Of, so it opens up a different market, really. But uh, I don't. I don't think people are really buying that over the aesthetics of it. Uh, yeah. I am sure. I mean, so. I guess it could also be more efficient, use better panels. Um, you know, maybe, maybe better wiring, better, better inverters, stuff like that. Yeah, and especially bit like just ease of installation and and uh, speed of installation. All right, Model S and X are finally coming back to Europe. Uh, Tesla started reaching out to some uh, customers in Europe saying that the deliveries are going to start uh, in most market. I think it's going to be in November, but might be some deliveries before that. And then uh, they started taking orders again just for the plaid version of Model S and X. But uh, I would expect the long range version to follow soon. So if you remember, Tesla's since the refresh, Tesla was still taking reservation uh, for the Model S and X, but uh, they stopped in December of last year in Europe. Just, or at least anywhere outside of North America, just because the ramp up back from production after uh, shutting down uh, for the refresh was extremely slow. Like Tesla shut down production in January of 2021. Model S started back in June, Model X in October. So Model X was almost a full year without production. And then the ramp up was pretty tough too. And Tesla is still not at full capacity. Um, I posted that somewhere here. Yeah, uh, so Q3 2021, Tesla has about 9,000 Model X and X. It ramped up to 13,000 units in Q4. Q1 2021, 14,000 units. And then uh, last quarter's was 16,000 units. So the pretty slow ramp up here. And because 
Tesla's full capacity officially would be 25,000 units a quarter. So we're still about a little less than 10,000 units from that. But the fact that they're reopening uh, the order book in Europe would would probably point towards Tesla making some improvement on that front. And uh, the deliveries for the new orders are like December to February, uh, December 2022 to February 2023. So it sounds like Tesla is like preparing a, a giant load of S and X that are going to be shipped to Europe in November, but or, or for November deliveries, and then literally by December they should have um, completed the backlog of order that they were taking in until December of last year. But yeah, it would be good for the European market to uh, get them all as the next again. They literally been starved of it for. Uh, yeah, it's on. crazy that they had no yeah. access to Model S and X. Yeah, Tesla's two flagship cars really yeah i've never had the refresh interior yet and all that stuff no yokes no yokes no i wonder if that was an issue like getting uh oh maybe they needed approval or maybe it's not uh, legal configuration there i don't know all right that's pretty much uh, done for tesla today Uh, we have a bunch of other news items to discuss but if you guys have any questions for us put them in the comment section right now i want to get to them in a few minutes uh any subjects you wanted to discuss or any Uh, specific question you can just put question and then uh, write it in the comment section right now i want to get to them in a few minutes but now let's uh, go to set for uh, the bmw i4 i think you have a lot of thought on the on this set yeah i had to get this out a little bit earlier than i hoped because i Mm -hmm. had to make a run to the city in my uh, current uh, loaner car which is the mercedes eqs which is a lot nicer than this car sad (laughs) sad to say Uh, twice expensive too twice as expensive so (laughs) you would expect that um, so yeah, the i4 is basically a four series BMW that it seems almost like a high school engineering team converted to an EV. Whoa. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Uh, but that's, that's just what it looks like. It's not what it behaves like. So if you open that front, uh, hood and, and that's kind of the first thing I do in the video, um, it's just really ugly underneath there. Um, and of course my, my dog's in the video. Um, <laughs> sounds like your dog wants to jump in the front. The two used to Tesla's are like, hey, yeah, the money was a spot for me in the, in the front. Well, there's actually room for her in there. Surprisingly, <laughs> like it's just a big honking hole, um, where, you know, you could put a frunk or you could make a smaller hood. And that's kind of the problem. Like this is a, a internal combustion engine car without the internal combustion engine and, and exhaust pipes and, and everything else. And they, you know, they, they basically put in a, an electric power train. The problem is, is that you've got this huge hood that is basically pointless now. And that pushes the cabin back. So that means you have less space in the front seats. It means the back seats are also pushed back against like the back thing. So, um, that means a six footer like myself, uh, can barely, you know, put his head in there without, uh, hitting the top of the the ceiling, and there's a little bit less space. You know, there's there's a picture of me for those on YouTube. Um, it's 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 fine. Like I can sit back there, but it's you know anybody taller than me is not going to enjoy that at all. <clears throat> so, you know that's kind of the problem. Like BMW ten years ago did the i3 from the ground up, an electric vehicle. Uh, I think that was a pretty good vehicle. Um, it was a, you know, it looked kind of weird. It had like the suicide doors, which, you know, not great for dropping off the kids at school, for instance, a lot of problems with the design, but you know, it was an efficient car and it worked well and it was packed 
packed together nicely. Here they're taking, you know, an off the shelf kind of four series car. They're ripping out the stuff, putting in EV components and, you know, that, that doesn't create an efficient car. So it's, it's a great, you know, sitting next to my model three, model three is a three, you know, equivalent to a three series in size, but it actually has more room than this four, not only in the trunk, it, it has a frunk. Um, it has more room in the trunk. It has more room in the back seats. It has more room in the front seats. So how does a smaller car have more room in every area? Well, that's because the huge internal combustion engine compartment is, to, is like, you know, a third of the car. Um, other problems, like we're looking right now at the, uh, uh, the charge bay, which is at an angle. And, of course, if there's snow, there's going to be snow in there, and it's going to be packed up with snow. So, you know, obviously they did this because that's where the gas tank uh, is on the on the the four series. Um, it even has a drive shaft uh, thing in the back seat. Like, there's no drive shaft. Like, the, there's a rear motor, and uh, there would be no reason for a drive shaft. But they have a drive shaft hole still in the back seat. And they, you know, even like what's like quadruply frustrating is they even, it even looks like there's exhaust pipes coming out the back. And that, that for me as an EV person is like, come on, like, Hey, you can see it kind of there. Like <laughs> they didn't even, uh, that's rough. Anyway. So all that being said, I have a lot of bad things. There's a lot of bad things about this car, but you know, it is a BMW. So like the interior was very nice. Like, uh, it drove very quietly. I mean, they're used to making, internal combustion engine vehicles drive smoothly and, and quietly. So they put an EV engine in there and it's even quieter and even smoother. So no gears to deal with, um, all kinds of stuff. Oh, another problem you can see there, the uh, charging screen, you know, this thing's supposed to have 300 miles of range and I never got it over 240. Um, here it's saying 229 is, is a hundred percent. So <clears throat> not sure if that's, you know, I don't get it. I don't quite understand why that was the case. So overall, not super impressed with it, but like, you know, if you're going to buy a BMW four series, I think this is still the best four series you can get. Um, it's uh quiet, fast. Yeah. Um, and you know, I got the rear wheel drive version to test, but there's a M 50 all wheel drive version that, uh, goes zero to 60 in three seconds. That's gotta be a pretty cool car. Uh, so it, I think it just goes to show you like how much better electric is, how like just taking a really good internal combustion car and putting electric in it makes it even better. But I, you know, I'm not kicking myself for buying a model three. Uh, <laughs> so that's my take. Yeah. I mean, I remember, I think it was in 2017 BMW flew me to Munich to go to their EV like development center. And then their, the factory that they have, uh, I don't know, maybe like 45 minutes outside of Munich, where they were deploying their first uh, fifth uh, generation EV technology. And that was their whole their whole spiel was like, you look, we're doing this smart. We're gonna we're we're like making this future proof where this fifth uh, generation platform we can fit a plug-in hybrid, an internal combustion engine car, or a full electric vehicle in it. I'm like, yeah, and I was like, okay, sure. Like, I get the guys don't want to go like just full all in electric just yet, but wouldn't that just result in a compromise for every single one of those uh, powertrain types? And they're like, yeah, but it's it's worth it. And um, 
that's what <laughs> that's what you see here. Is it, is it worth it? Uh, I mean, it, it is worth it if like they can produce this in like extremely high volume, but I don't think they can right now. I don't think they have that capacity yet. So it's just you just take the design and, and engineering compromises without because uh, that would that that was the the way they were selling it is like oh if there's super high demand for EVs and when we can we have they are built on the same production line so we just can crank it up. Um, but you're not seeing that right now because, of course, there's supply chains issue that are completely unrelated to having the cars being assembled in the same assembly line. So it's uh, it's it's a bit of a bummer where BMW is at right now. They, I mean, I wouldn't put them in the same category as like Nissan with the like having the early lead with the Leaf, like the, uh, BMW did to a degree with the i3 and like dropping the ball. I think obviously BMW is far ahead of Nissan right now with the i4, the iX the iX3 in other markets and even the 3 series now in uh in China in China yeah the i3 they have the i7 which is a super high end version well. yeah yeah the i7 they have a lot of it it's just it feels like it's uh they 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 put a compromise because they're they're not ready to go all in on electric vehicles and um, apparently that's going to change in like 3 years i think they announced it's going to have the first uh 2025 they're going to have their first all electric, built from the ground up, all electric platform. I think. Well, first, besides the i three, uh, yeah, i three. Well, is the i three the i three? Uh, no, well, yeah, yeah okay, okay, no, <laughs> the i three is so dead to me that I'm like when you said i three, I was thinking like three series in China. But is the three series in China is that is that also built on the three series platform? So the the three series in China is actually built on the three series, like the i four is built on the four series. Yeah, okay, yeah. Um, but the they're calling it the i3, even though the i3 was also that, you know. Oh, that's right. They are calling it the i3, yeah. This, this you know, taller, yeah. weird mobile, uh, yeah. I believe, the term. So it's a little bit confusing. Uh, I don't think they've, they're making the right moves right now. Uh, but fortunately, they have such a good, uh, you know, history of car making. They do very good uh you know, suspension and very good, uh, yeah, just all around uh, car building that they can probably screw up a bunch and still somehow make it on the other side. Mm-hmm. All right, moving on to the iPace. Uh, so this was uh, kind of an unfortunate thing that I had to report on this week, but I think I think it's a concern that we need to keep a look at because I'm getting I'm getting good old like 2020 2021 Bolt TV vibe here uh, on what's happening is uh, another Jaguar High Pace caught on fire after charging. This happened in Florida and back in June. So the the owner reached out to me a few weeks ago, uh, Mr. Salazar Gonzalo Salazar. And uh, he, he explained, I mean, it's very similar to a lot of the Bolt TV fires that we heard before where uh, there's no no impact, no collision, and no collision, anything like that. It's just the car is plugged overnight for charging. Uh, it's either used or not used for a little bit. In this case, he used it for like a 12 miles of running around uh, errands, brought the car back into the garage, didn't plug it in this time, just let it sit for a little bit while he was uh, doing things inside. Then uh, you see smokes coming out of the garage, uh, goes into the garage. The car is smoking. Uh, and then, of course, he's like, oh, this thing is catching on fire. I don't want it to catch on fire in my in my house. So he he, he decided to check if he can drive it. And, and he was, I don't know if he drove it. It was we'll just put in uh, neutral. or uh, But he, he was able to uh, have it, drive it down to the street, basically right in front of his house. 
right right here. Basically, you see the, this driveway, and he drove it to the street, and uh, then uh, the the car went engulfed itself on fire. We have a quick video here from the. I bet the neighbors weren't too happy about him driving into the yeah, street. No, <laughs> he says he, he expect a nice letter from his HO. Oh, did you? See, I didn't see that. Wow. Did you see that? Yeah, explosion. Yeah, there was Ro- an Roman candle. Flew. Yeah, kind of, that flew from the car. Um, yeah. So as you can imagine, the car is a total loss, and clearly it was a battery fire. You can hear the the, the batteries popping off, and uh, the so this is not the first time that has happened with the Jaguar. It hasn't caught the news too much, but this is the fourth time that I can uh, confirm that a Jaguar Hapes caught on fire on its own without any impact. So always with similar situation, whether uh, parked um, in the garage or in a driveway and catching on fire, or well actually plugged in and charging. And the last uh, three of them were in the last year. Uh, so this this is uh, ramping up, obviously, and this is not quite the bold tv numbers that we we saw before but it's kind of getting close to before the the uh, actual um recall but because there were 17 total bold tv fires that were reported but i think we were like at eight before they decided to do the recall and the numbers are different for the bold tv and the jaguar there's just about fifty thousand jaguar high pace out there in the world while the bold tv is closer to like 120 130,000 units so the, the numbers are going to be similar. And why do I have a concern about this? Is because Jaguar uses the LG pouch cells just infamous, like... Infamous. Infamous yeah, LG pouch. Yeah, just like the Bolt EV and the Kona that were right. recalled. Which, which, there was another one that was recalled too? Well, the Kona um, and the... Uh, what you call it? Use the same. The um, Hyundai... Yeah. But I, th- I thought Kia, it was another... Kia, that, Kia Nero, right? Yeah, but I thought there was another one too that... Uh, like another like not... Like lower volume vehicle that was also recalled uh, for uh, for the LG power cells. So what we did, obviously, like three in the last year, four total. I reached out to Jaguar. I'm like, what? Because also the owner, while he reached out to me, is like he didn't feel a lot of uh, proactive reaction from Jaguar about this. He said his insurance, of course, like declared a total loss. They tried to look into like what would be the cause of the fire, but like it's not like. <laughs> I mean, they look at this, like it's just not much left to figure it out. And um, the uh, Jaguar was supposed to inspect the car to also like investigate what would be the cause of the fire. But Jaguar kept telling him like we, we, the car could reignite. So we don't know where we can expect inspect it. So they're like, we don't have access to, to anything. We can inspect the car. Um, and, but, but they said that, well, they said that the car is already on the, Called part salvage vehicle website, so I don't know. I don't know if it's ever going to be uh, really investigated that much. And then when we reached out to Jaguar about this, and like we we reached out to them, like, hey, what do you know about this incident in particular? And they gave us the whole like, oh, this we cannot tell you anything until we do an investigation. Again, investigation doesn't look like it's going much of nowhere. Um, but then we asked separately, have you looked into like the cell that you're using from LG? Uh, in those cars, because this is a 2019 um, I-Pay, so it's before the recall. And I think all of the cars that caught on fire were uh, prior to the recall, two of their cells. Uh, have you looked into into it with the LG? Is it a problem? Is it, Are you going to guys have to recall that too? And they said they weren't going to answer those questions. So not very satisfied with that response. Hopefully, uh, we can put some pressure on them and they can eventually like uh, give us some answers because this is not... 
is not looking good to me. Yeah. Um, and um, doesn't um, Magna build the, the iPace? Yeah. I wonder if uh, I wonder if we should reach out to them. Maybe they have some information there. Yeah, we could because try. It, it doesn't sound like Jaguars up on their their own product. Really. Yeah, but if uh, Jaguar is the customer is there, so right. I, I feel like they would be like, oh, let's just refer back to Jaguar. All right, um, Lucid posted their earnings this week, and um, the uh, their stock crashed following the earnings result because uh, the big the big news as part of the earnings was the production guidance for the full year has been cut drastically. Uh, they used to be aiming for twelve to fourteen thousand vehicles to be produced in twenty twenty two. They cut that in half to six to seven thousand units. So that's a that's a big bummer. We already have we're more than halfway through the year, and now they are starting to cut the production guidance. And they did that because they have only produced so far fourteen hundred vehicles this year. So they're gonna have to produce uh, between. Uh, 560 and more than 5,600 5, uh, to uh, come to the lower end of their guidance. And uh, the, uh, the, um, they delivered 679 vehicles during the last quarter uh, for a revenue of 97 millions. And uh, yeah, that's uh, obviously this is a concern with those uh, new electric vehicle startups where we are looking at their cash position and we're looking at how much cash they're burning every quarter to see like how fast they need to turn positive in order to survive or again, they don't necessarily need to need that to survive, but they, or if they don't do that, they're going to have to raise more money. And this is not the best time to raise money. Obviously with, uh, we look like we're headed into a, a recession and, uh, it can be difficult to raise money in those circumstances. But, um, Lucid still has 4.6 billion in cash and investment, so it's not in dire need of cash right now. But it burned through 823 million dollars last quarter, so it goes fast. And they burned through that because uh, to get that 100 million dollars in revenue, they had to spend 292 million dollars in cost of revenue. So they are losing a lot of money per car right now. So they need to turn that around. Kind of a similar situation as Rivian, but in uh, lower volume, obviously. And uh, yeah, then then you, the the big thing that really caught my attention here is their operating expenses. Operating exp- expenses as f- at five hundred and fifty, uh, yeah, five five hundred and fifty nine million dollars loss in operating expenses. Um, that if you compare that to Tesla, Tesla is one point seven billion. So they have about a third of Tesla's operating expenses, even though they delivered revenue. Uh, 150, one, uh, 155th of Tesla's revenue yes. and a third of the operating expenses. It makes absolute no sense right now. They need to rein that in big time because they won't last uh, a year without raising a lot of money. And even like putting money into that would, it would make no sense for a lot of people. Of course, they are backed by the Saudis right now, and the Saudis right. might have like other reason to 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 back the company but also the if they back it they're going to try to get more uh, ownership in it and all that so if lucids wants to retain its independence uh they, they're gonna have to find a way to rein that in because it makes no sense to or make that. a lot more cars yeah make a lot more cars and make them profitably which is they're far from being able to do right now so i think i think they have to look at their operating expenses and bring that down because it makes no sense they spend a third of tesla's 
operating budget to bringing 155th over their revenue. Like at, yeah. at their size that they are right now, if this has a hundred thousand employees, they have like six thousand employees, uh, or maybe uh, six thousand might just be their factory. I'm not sure. They probably have more than that. Um, but still, Tesla is a giant company uh, operating hundreds of uh, hundreds of stores and service centers. For factories, a uh, ton of different operation. Like, there's no sense that you you would be operating at one third of their right <laughs> their expenses. That's not to say that uh, people don't love the car. Like, uh, oh, yeah. Scooter, Scooter just drove the car up uh, the PCH, and he was just ranting and raving how much it was amazing. Oh so. yeah, there's no doubt about it. It's a great car, and uh, there's a lot of great things about it that I can see also like translating to a lower end vehicle. That uh, like the, their efficiencies are, are just stunning. Like the the amount of power that you can get from a very small electric motor, uh, beautiful small inverter. Their, their their battery technology is solid too. Battery pack. I mean, they don't make their own cells, but battery pack technology. Like there's a lot of great thing about Lucid that obviously now they are putting in a high end vehicle, but they could put that in a lower end vehicle and produce a lot more of them. But obviously they are far from that because. They won't be able to achieve that if they cannot make money on a hundred plus thousand vehicles, which they are far from being able to do right now. So uh, there, there's something that needs to change, um, but so something to keep an eye on. Uh, speaking of that, um, and you know, not to jump into the comments a little early, but Jonathan Root says Apple should buy Lucid. It's their only chance to enter the EV game at this point. What do you think about Apple as a potential acquisition? Uh, I think that would be super smart. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would be the move to do. Uh, I think, like I said, there's a lot of good things here. The problem is like it it would be an expensive purchase for Apple. I know Apple has all the money in the world right now, but uh, I think it still trades at like $30 billion uh, lucid. And uh, I would assume that they would have to do um, some kind of uh, premium on that. (laughs) I don't know about how much. So this... um, Maybe and, it even, keeps going and, down. and still then, a lot of people would be mad, I think, because a lot of people paid a lot more than $30 billion for, right. for Lucid. So they really, and that would be the, the end of their hope for any return. So it's it would be a difficult transaction to make, I think. Yeah, but the Saudis might not want to get rid of it either. That too. To, yeah, there's a lot, a lot of things that could make this transaction uh, difficult. But if Apple is ext- very serious about bringing to market an electric vehicle, I think they could use a lot of uh, Lucid's technology to do it. They could. Um, it's a very Apple-like thing. Like it's a very yeah. premium. Like all the all the stuff that they've done, like with the motors and the batteries, is very Apple-y. Mm-hmm. You know, best of breed, high end, high tech. Maybe and, they should uh, just uh, give Peter a call and say, uh, "Doesn't sound like Lucid's going so well. Maybe uh, you can uh, occupy Doug Field's old office." <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I could I could see it happen. It's just like I said, it's going to be super difficult. And for on Apple side, too, spending let's say they spend like fifty billion dollars on this. This is you you need to get a good return for like fifty billion dollars. That giant transaction. They could use the factory in Arizona, though. Of course, like I'm mean, sure. I'm sure there's already probably a few billion dollars spent there already. So that's there's there's, there's value in that. There's no doubt. But uh, yeah, the thirty to fifty billion dollars that they would have to pay would be. Uh, uh, hard decision, and it, what's what's uh, Apple's latest big acquisition? They're not they're not big on like huge they don't, scale acquisition. No, right? they bought Beats. I think was the latest big one. That was a long time ago, and that was like, how much? Yeah, even was that even in the f- billions? It was in the billions. I think it was yeah. uh, like maybe five billion or something. 
Really? That much? Wow. Well, it was the, uh, the streaming player that became Apple Music was more than, I think for them, the Mog music player was worth more than the, uh, the hardware. Mm. Ah. Okay. All right. I think we can jump into the comments right now. All right. <clears throat> 44 minutes in. All right. So, uh, Jonathan Root, uh, the Elon shareholder meeting was really the fanboy roundup. I did notice like this, like it's gotten even more and more fanboy like beforehand. And then like, you know, Elon's talking and everybody's hooting and hollering. Like, uh, it doesn't seem like a shareholder meeting at all. Yeah. That, that, that's on the to me. I think when, when they all go crazy and then Elon comes on stage with his arms up like that, like, yeah, right. like it's like, let's like the old cult of personality and everything is, so it seems a little bit off to me. Not, not that, like I'm a big fan of the guy. I think he's doing great things. It's just that it gets into like on LT territories, I think. But my, my big thing is like I saw like all of the same like Tesla Twitter people that Elon that are just like super all, all praise to Elon all, all the time. They were all there. And that seems weird to me because this whole shareholder meeting thing is supposed to be a random draw uh to to for fairness and everything like that it's just all these people just won the win done draw <laughs> that's kind of weird to me it is um, yeah yeah i don't know i don't know what how do you uh square it doesn't make any sense all right uh moving on uh our our friend was he's sick of ev uh yeah i don't know michael like sick of ev it's a great option but it's more costly than combustion Nope, it's not. If you go by cost of ownership, it's simply not. So I don't know what you're talking about, Michael. Hopefully uh, the show convinced him and yeah. he'll stick around. Uh, surprised that the child labor reporting was rejected uh, in the shareholder. I, I think that's probably sarcastic. Um, uh, well, I don't know. I mean, they're, 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 like, if you just listen to every one of the stockholder proposal that they were doing, which were all about governance stuff, uh they all had very good arguments. They all made sense, and they all things that you would support uh, as face value. Just that the, the board vote said to vote against it for convenience reasons. <laughs> so it's just it would be hard to to implement, and it would right. put this as a disadvantage against the competition and all that. But I mean, for the child labor one, we discussed that before. That's something that the naysayers, when it comes to batteries and electric vehicles, they are often often bringing up that, uh, especially cobalt and and Congo, there's child labor being used, which which is true and is a a real concern. It's just that it's 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 such a a a different issue than than the way people frame it. It's just like ah, like if we need to stop, we need to stop using cobalt because that will stop people from using child labor which is not exactly true like it's a it's all education issue and it's a like most of the cobalt doesn't come from child labor obviously it's it's a problem what we we call artisanal mining where the congo is so rich in natural resources that there's a lot of people that just go out there and 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 put like together a small operation to to extract the the resources from from the earth while most of the actual volume obviously comes from giant mining operation that use machinery equipment and qualified personnel to do it that's how most of it come from but there's some of them that uh, the the some of the mineral that ends up on the market comes from these smaller artisanal shops that do use child labor because it's just it, that's that's how it works in those communities where you know, you're 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 13 years old. Well, I mean, you're not earning your stay. Uh, you don't. You're not going to school or anything like that. So, like, you're gonna have to go work with mom and dad and uh, 
uh, at the little artisanal mine there. So I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm just saying that it's it's more of an, like, an educational and like geopolitical issue in those uh, specific areas that need to be addressed. Uh, it's more. It's not because like co- cobalt is valuable that. Uh, I mean, I'm sure that's part of it too. Like, if it wasn't valuable, they wouldn't as be uh, be interested to do it. But those kids would be working one way or the other. It sounds like. Uh, so I think it's more of a specific issue that needs to be addressed on, like, how do we get these kids to school, and uh, then uh, then we cannot use cobalt because of uh, uh, there's there's a small percentage of it that is used by child labor. No, it's my opinion. Yep, I agree. All right, moving on. It's a Raven. I don't trust anything Elon says. We are still waiting on autopilot. Don't buy it. You're waiting uh, on autopilot? <laughs> it's been around uh, since 2016. Full self driving. Yeah. I'm assuming. Yeah. I mean, he's been wrong about that uh, mm-hmm. going on like uh, six years in a row. So, yeah. He, he changed the gold again uh, this week. And huh? by the way, Did I don't he? know if you, if you caught that. Like, I uh, didn't. you know, he went from like a million robotaxi by the end of the year to a million people on FSD beta to the end of the year. And now it was everyone who wants FSD beta by the end of the year is going to get it. Because that never makes sense to us. Because I'm like, is there even a million people in North America that can get? full self-driving right now or bought it at least and i was like that I don't, that doesn't sound right to me we'll see i i mean i want fsd and uh yeah. i'm not on it so maybe i uh, only have six months to wait yep that's great all right <clears throat> moving on ghetto crypto says uh great content and these fellows been watching for a good while y'all bring great information and some cool ass bikes yes thank you that's mm-hmm. great uh, the bike is the other podcast too. <laughs> All right. And moving on, Tyler Donahoe, the problem with humanoid robots has always been AI and motor control. The human form and function has been nailed down since animatronics workers got a huge boost by Disney in the 1970s. Hmm. Thoughts there? Uh, I mean, like that's, that's kind of why they're doing it though. Like they, they have some expertise in AI and motor control. So, they, uh, they they feel like they can solve those issues, but uh, the human form and function has been nailed down since animatronics. Like I don't know if that's true. Like that's choreographed stuff that not, don't apply to any useful function other than entertainment. So, I mean, I don't think you can have animatronics like have like like usable fingers that uh, can can do things that are practical. Oh. All right. And then Tyler, uh, the robots are just puppets. The mind, the AI is the final frontier. Yeah. I mean, that, that would like negate everything that Boston Dynamic has been working on for years. Like they've been making great stride in like making robots functionals. Uh, I don't think, I don't think I agree with that, that, that we figured out you might have had robots for a long time. Yeah, this is a concern, I guess. Anyone else concerned for a world with Elon robots? So yeah, in <laughs> in the event that these AI robots do happen and Elon's controlling them all, uh, that does bring up some concerns. Like, uh, would that be a world we'd want to live in? I don't know. Yeah, it's uh, a little scary. Uh, no, noting how he uh, seems to jump around a lot um, in his uh, viewpoints. All right. Well, a 20 Tesla can't get autopilot, not FSD, to stop phantom braking 100%. That's true. I uh, also have that problem. 
there's no way they're going to leapfrog other AI and robotics companies. I don't know about that. Like people always, uh, when uh, like uh, we we had Tyler, Taylor, Tyler, Taylor, Taylor Ogan on the on the on the podcast. I always have issue with these two names, Taylor Ogan on the on the podcast who's a early fsd beta uh driver and a big critic of tesla's fsd program and he always uh is quick to 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 say like look at the google and well waymo i should say and uh cruise and all that and compare it to those i'm like i i can see how tesla's approach can leapfrog those that's the whole thing like the, it could it's a possibility that, that that it happens because the way that the approach is different and and utilize mass amount of data, machine learning, and of course, Dojo now is being part of the game. And Dojo could, if it works, it could be a, a big game changer and enable that big jump in, in, in capacity. Um, but yeah, I, I can also understand the argument that looking at the current state and looking again, like role A20 said that with the phantom braking situation autopilot, it can be hard to see, uh, to, to, to make the connection between the end goal and what's happening right now. But I wouldn't discount them either, man. And, I'm not, and I've been a big critic of FSD beta. I mean, I have it on my car, and it's. Uh, I literally every time I activate it, it's like I'm like, oh, let's get to work, and like, I'm like all right, like now I'm, I need to, just control. Like I feel like I'm in the passenger seat of one of those like uh, student cars where you have like two set of uh, steering wheel and uh, and brake pedals. Like that's how I feel like. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm on FSD beta. All right, uh, moving on. It's a Raven says brake dust and rubber wear from tires still give us health problems of doom. We need to get away from cars. Well, I would say that uh, electric vehicles reduce brake dust by a lot. Yeah, because and I think brake dust is a is a way bigger problem than tires. I would assume, right? Right. Like dust from rubber wear from tires. Rubber. I've I've heard like brake dust to be a real issues in cities. That's true. Like it's a. Uh, it's bad, but rubber wear, that's the first time I've heard it. Yeah, rubber tree plant can't be that bad, right? Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. know about that, but I know, I don't know, like, I mean, you can smell it when that, like, at a racetrack or something, but for like average driving, it's, it doesn't burn rubber that much. Um, but I, to, to his point, though, I do agree that uh, a lot of people could get away from cars. Like, if you, work in the cities and uh if you have like a commute that's like less than like five miles ten miles i mean get yourself on electric bikes those things are incredible yep agree uh jonathan roots back um i'm wondering i'm worried the cyber truck won't even qualify for the tax credit might start at 100k can't even get a model y for under 65k that's a valid concern i i also wonder if uh tesla can sell it for tax credit money I don't think it's going to happen. What do you think? Well, a uh, hundred thousand dollars. I might be not, might be surprised if uh, like the first version comes out with uh, like a quad motor powertrain, a hundred thousand dollars, like a just a kind of like a Hummer EV type of uh, like super truck that JMM calls it. Uh, that that's that's a very likely possibility in my opinion. However, the starting price I'm fairly confident going to be under eighty thousand dollars for like a dual motor version of it. Uh, smaller battery pack, like I, w- I would be shocked if it if it's more than eighty thousand uh, dollars. Especially, especially like bare, like the cyber truck. Like, look at the interior. Like, it's not it's not a fancy interior. Like, you get into like a, a F one fifty Lightning Lariat, 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 
and it's a fancy interior like it's a luxury interior basically like you don't you won't see that in a cyber truck it's it's the whole tesla minimalist approach and everything um I, i'm i'm not as worried as jonathan is on that front yeah i mean you know who knows by the time those things are delivered if they're gonna still have a tax i mean we don't even know if they're, they're gonna pass it at this point all right mm-hmm. uh moving on comment wouldn't regular panels always be cheaper, easier to install? It's way less pieces going from hundreds of tiles to two or three big panels seems way faster. Uh, I think generally speaking, yes. Um, but one thing is that it you're, you have to do a roof and panels, whereas on a new construction, the idea is that you would only have to do um, the solar roof. So <clears throat> the solar roof is probably less work than doing a full roof and then putting panels on the roof. And theoretically it looks better and it's quicker and whatever. Oh, what, do you what, what you said is true, but there's something to add to is that where people always like miss their calculation is like they, they calculate like, okay, that's a new asphalt roof with, uh, with, with, with uh, solar panels. That's like, ah, oh, it is cheaper than a solar roof. It's like, yeah, but like the way you have to, you cannot compare it to like half uh, asphalt tiles on, on, on a roof you have to compare it to the more high-end roofing solution like concrete and and those uh, tiles like they have what they call it those like the uh, like um, like Spanish style tiles and all those I think that's concrete right. too probably concrete anyway those higher-end roofs with longer uh, warranty and all that uh, when you compare that to that plus solar panels it becomes more expensive than just straight solar roof again depending on your uh, so uh, roof configuration. Yep. All right. What kind of pricing are we thinking on the cyber truck? Uh, we kind of talked about that earlier. <clears throat> I don't think it's going to start at 40,000 though. No, that's for sure. I, I, I'm thinking like, I'm thinking a base version in $60,000. That's probably not going to be delivered until, until 2025, 2026, even maybe. Uh, then like an eighty thousand version that's gonna be the most popular one, uh, and then probably a hundred thousand dollar version fully equipped. Yeah, I mean, uh, I wonder uh, if, like, by the time these things do come out, like, how how fast is t- Tesla gonna ramp the Cybertruck? Like, are they gonna? Well, that's get the thing that we discussed earlier. Like, Elon's, when you said volume production mid twenty twenty three, I was like, oh, I thought it was starting production twenty twenty three. Those those things are different. Yeah, I don't think he knows what he's saying because that's a year from now. I don't like that. So if it was a Model Y, like at a new factory, I can see a year. Mm-hmm. But this is a whole new process. Yeah. I mean, maybe he knows something we don't. Obviously. Also, 4680 sounds like you need the 4680. And those have right. been way behind schedule. Though, that, though he said that he expect volume production in, in Gigafactory, Texas by the end of the year so. Yeah. All right. Uh, Tyler Donahoe, lack of frunk is extremely disappointing on the BMW. should be mandatory on sedan form factors. What a waste. I agree it's a waste because it's a huge trunk or front front bonnet, whatever. But, you know, I'm not married to a, a frunk. Like, uh, you know, the Chevy Bolt, which has almost no front end, doesn't have a, a frunk. And, I'm, a, you know, it doesn't bother me. I never use it on my Model 3, to be honest, a frunk. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you have a big front end and you you know it's for the crumple zone or whatever you might as well put one there but i kind of feel like you know volkswagen also uh the id4 doesn't have a frunk i don't miss it um it is nice to have a, another place but 
It's not a big deal to me. Um, it looks like they took the standard BMW ICE 4 Series chassis and converted it. Yep. Well, that, again, that's not exactly true. Their old thinking, to be fair, <clears throat> was they built a new generation of the platform that accommodates ICE, PHEV, and PAV. Yeah. That's their old thinking. So the, it's been, they could claim that it's been designed from the ground up to be electric. That would be fair, because but it's been designed to be electric and plug-in hybrid and uh, internal combustion engine. But if you look at the inside, Fred, I, I shit you not. It is, yeah. it is no. really, really poorly done. Yeah. Like it's really loose. Um, there's like, they put like metal, sheet metal things just to hold things. And it's, yeah. it just really looks like high school engineering project. Um, 300 with the headwind going downhill. Oh, yeah. That's the range of the uh, BMW. And, you know, it was similar to me to, the the model three like the model three says it's going to go 300 miles but realistically it's in the, the mid 200s this is this is the same for me uh giovanni edwards just added the podcast to my library love what you're all doing thank you everyone add it to your library mm-hmm. uh is there a standard battery testing standard for instance i'm aware of a particular process by a manufacturer that is using a temperature chamber to address durability in both the vehicles and the chargers uh, I don't think there is one standard testing process. I think each battery manufacturer and OEM kind of uses their own testing. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, they, they, they do put a lot of cycles trying to replicate how it would be in the real world. Uh, however, I'm not exactly sure what that kind of standard looks like or what kind of like uh, bench test that they have. Uh, it would be something interesting looking into. I know that uh, when Tesla did the partnership with the University of Halifax, uh, Dalhousie University, and uh, Jeff Dunn's team. That's one of one of their biggest expertise is to uh, like to test the uh, batteries. Yep. All right, Tyler Donahoe is get back. Apple would need to work hard to get that company lucid up and running profitably. Probably have to ask a few executives and get some actual business acumen injected. Well. Yeah, yeah, that's that's, 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 a, that's a thinking answer. <laughs> that would be the the goal. I mean, not not I don't want to be too criticizing of Lucid. Like I think they're doing some great things, but uh, yeah, I mean, they have to turn this thing around right now. It's not looking good to me, financially speaking. Joel Sapp notes that uh, if Apple's serious about having their own car company, they will buy a car company, EV company, when the world is in recession. Which maybe now, depending on how you. To find recession, but uh, cheapest mm-hmm. prices and could be easily to pick off competition. That's a good point. Maybe they can wait on Lucid, like being closer, like to 10, 15, 20 billion dollars, and then oh, we'll scoop it in for like a, a nice little five billion dollar premium, and maybe investor would be more willing at that point. Yeah. All right, Jonathan Root. Uh, good point regarding the child labor issue. Blood diamonds used to be a thing before stronger monitoring of the supply chains happened. I also think uh, De Beers yeah. did some good marketing and and stuff there as well but it's a good point oh here here we go mike thompson electric yeah, cars mean, are horrible for the environment on cobalt oops sorry we lost you there for a second talked over each other like there was a little bit of a lag yeah yeah okay that's okay all right we'll move on uh elon and humanoid robots one only needs to look at his treatment of workers and collective bargaining to know how that would go uh, well, I mean, on one hand, it would be nice that, you know, he could just tell robots to work 24 hours a day and nobody would care. On the other hand, you know, is he going to use the robots to 
you know, form an army and and reproduce or whatever it is. I, I don't think that the employees of Tesla have too much to worry about when it comes to Optimus because, first of all, they're going to have to build Optimus. <laughs> right. And I don't think they're going to really build a replacement. Like, if anything, it's going to be used to alleviate some of the work. And, like, again, if Tesla is hiring, like, it's going to build uh, eight more gigafactories in the next eight years. Um, they're going to need a lot more workers. <laughs> Regardless yeah. of optimism, my point is. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, Doug Underwood says, great channel. Thanks. Wondering when the electric outboard market will take off. I know there's some out there. Yeah. There's not a lot right now. It's like the Torquedo. There's, uh, I, I like uh, the one of the, uh, to be fair, I invested in the company, so I'm a bit biased, but the Vision Marine Technologies, they have one coming up that like is like as close as a pure outboard motor replacement that you can get that's just all electric. Uh, for most, like the most powerful type of boats. Once you have a lot of options like that on the market, I think it's going to take off real fast because uh, outboards motors, like they, they are energy intensive. They, 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 the gas costs are high. So it would make sense. And instead of having, like right now, you do have some very cool electric boats out there. And like you can check out those companies like Exshores uh, and Canela and, uh, and all those very cool electric boat companies. But just ha- integrating an electric outboard motor to existing boats that that makes a lot more sense, obviously. Oh, and so I, I when I used to go fishing, there was a, a company called Minkota that made trolling motors that you would hook up to a twelve volt battery. Oh yeah, trolling was, motors is already like that. That's been around for like electric trolling motors. Been but like uh, the company Minkota now has something called the Raptor, which is a Ooh. high high power thing that I'm going to have to look into. Yeah. And Min- Min- Code has been making electric motors forever. Yeah, I mean, uh, that, that that's kind of obvious to like trolling motors, uh, electric trolling motors that have been around for so long. It's like, all right, we, we can make just a more powerful version of that. Like, it's just. Yep. All right. Dan Oberts brakes used to use asbestos. Not anymore. The tire rubber is something anti EV folks used to had to dream up when people pointed out that regen reduce brake dust problems. Yeah. Possibly. That, that, like that makes a lot of sense to me. It <laughs> sounds about right. Sounds like something those people would do. Yeah. All right. Uh, viewership on YouTube seems to peak at 40 minutes in. The only way I catch these is because I subscribed and hit the notification bell. Great. Oh, well, thank you, Tyler. Tyler, sorry. Yeah, let's uh, hit the notification bell, everyone, so that you can. Uh, yeah, I, I, and I do know this. Sometimes it's a bit behind, too, like the notification. Like I get it on my phone that we are 20 minutes into the show or something. But uh, yeah, any yeah, thoughts that, on the latest Cyberlander render? Oh, I don't know. I haven't checked them out yet. I should because I, supposedly I have one coming. I don't know. That, I mean, I, I like the concept of Cyberlander. It's awesome. It's it's great and everything. But they kind of lost me a little bit when they started to raise money at four hundred million dollar valuation for like the whole company is completely dependent on another company delivering a product, and the whole product is designed without the product on which it's going to be designed on like and again their design is amazing it looks awesome and everything but i'm just like you cannot raise money at 400 million dollar valuation for a product like that i'm just i'm sorry it makes no sense and i know they have a lot of like they have like 50 million dollars in the reservation again i mean that's that's fine whatever that's that's incredible yeah like i i I just i you you lose they lost a lot of credibility to me when they then they did that 
and like I thought they would be a little bit more um like they know what they uh they know what they were doing but they they still do like the the again the design is awesome it's just it was a little bit of credibility with them. All right. Um, so we have one last comment, which is going to transition to a uh, segue into a uh, look on our channel. So Joel Sapp says, I know you have a short podcast. Any chance you do a daily EV YouTube channel? Yes, we do that. Uh, so it's a different YouTube channel. No, I think I think he says that he knows that set. Any chance you do a daily EV YouTube channel? Well, he said, I know you have a short podcast. So I think he knows about Quick Charge. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, so it's just quick charges our daily, uh, a daily podcast, daily YouTube channel mm-hmm. for the daily news. Uh, go search it up. Yeah, maybe he's thinking of something different when he says like DV, maybe you're talking about us directly. I don't know, like it's Mikey that does it, but Mikey does a great job too, like yep. round up all of the news of the day. We're just uh, cannot do it all, but Not every uh. Day. Thanks, everyone, for listening to the show this week. I appreciate every single one of you. And if you can hit the like button, the subscribe button, and like a Tyler. A Taylor, Tyler says, oh, these two names are so hard for me. Um, uh, the, uh, then you can hit the notification button. That will notify you whenever we go live and whenever we post a new video, which we do several times a week with against Mikey. Though Mikey is on the Electric Daily channel. Yep. Uh, to, to answer uh, Joel's question, it's the Electric Daily it's called quick charge and um and then you uh you can also get our mica videos for electric bikes and electric transportation here and we're gonna have a lot more coming up on the channel soon so thanks a lot for listening we'll see you same place same time next week have a safe weekend bye-bye